Hello and welcome to the season finale of Layback with Betfair. My name's Nick Foote. I'm your host for today. We've got the A-team back on panel. Tommy Haylock, Reese Goodwin. Jeez, you're looking good today, Reese. <laughs> Umpire Goodwin. Umpire Goodwin. I've been fitted out. It's, uh, it's a bit baggy, actually, on me. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it's come from. Did you bring it? Was it one of yours? <laughs> must be, yeah. yeah. Must be all those gym sessions. Well, so. I was going to say, yeah, I don't pump like you do, so <laughs> it would be a bit, bit loose around the, around the arms. Perhaps for our thousands of listeners and viewers out there, explain why you are wearing your <laughs> oh. umpire. I, I wasn't even here for this bet, <laughs> so I don't even oh, know yeah. why he's wearing this umpire top. Carl's great idea. Okay. Um, I took on Foxy Frieda a couple of weeks ago, and Tom has got a big love association for her. Yeah, and I took her on, and um, that was the bet. Tom's Tom's losing bet was come down and do some boxes at Packham, but that was never going to happen. But I've held up my end of the bargain. You're a good man. And uh, I think I look good in the yellow. You do. Uh, I could make a few decisions, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> I usually get those via text message on a Sunday. Tommy, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Yeah. When you uh, don't lose bets, you don't have to hold up your end of the bargain. Here we go. Yes, so, go. Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, thank you to you boys for making my Thursdays brighter, my weeks brighter. It's always good coming in here, so it's going to be missed. Uh, last episode of the series. Thanks to Carl and uh, a couple of others. Liam, Miles, we can talk Jules. after the show. We don't have to. It's still a group. We can Just talk. Thanks, thanks. We can talk to each other. I don't, I don't want to, really. <laughs> oh, boy. But thanks to all the contributors as well. Rory, Liam came on for a show. Jules was fantastic early on. And uh, Miles Fitzner came on as well. So thanks to everyone involved. It's been a bit of a rotating door mm. here at Layback. But uh, all, all fun nevertheless. Hey, before we get into the racing today, let's go to our favourite segment, which is... The lay bin, where we just put things in the bin that we're not happy with. Tommy, you're usually pretty good here, mate, and come off the long run. What do you got for us this week? Well, just reading the uh, flicking through the newspaper in a cafe during the week and the socials as well, a leading Melbourne newspaper. Mayor Favola's falling in love, guys. It's really? Big news. Huge. Yes. Is there, no more, is there no more Jamara? So, no. <laughs> so, big news. If you hadn't caught it, okay. that's, that's straight into the lay bin. Okay, excellent. Yeah. I did see one, actually, the other week that... Um, of Nadia Bartel papped before she went shopping for a dress. Wow, so, wow. this yeah. is big. Oh, really. No. Oh, so no. newspapers hitting the hard issues. <laughs> yeah. uh, get in the sea and the lay bin <laughs> while you're there. <laughs> in uh, the sea as well. <laughs> just, just get in a boat. We're fired up here. Uh, I've got a couple more before you take over. Front foot, no balls. Mm-hmm. Get in the lay bin. Uh, you don't bowl no balls in Test Match Cricket, especially take wickets off them. Slow over rates as well. Um, an hour behind in the first and second day of the test against India, Australia. So India and the way they carried on after losing, mm. getting the getting the lab in as well. Right, my turn? Yeah, your turn. I've actually got one this week. <laughs> this is huge. Good. The, um, yeah, breaking news. This could probably be in the newspaper, I reckon. <laughs> Me having a lab in. <laughs> Correct. Uh, the, the <laughs> typing con- it up now. The confusion of the Wiramu pin claim. Um, obviously, Gunn, New Zealand kid, come across here. He'd written, I think he's written a group one winner in... New Zealand and 160 winners and somehow he's pulled their pants down and had a three kilo claim since he's been here. And then it worked out, I think, Monday after Moynton that they actually did a back count and he should have only been claiming two. So the poor people that had him on yesterday at CNN had to go from claiming three to claiming two. Look, it wasn't a big deal, um, but I think it's pretty pretty ordinary from a, a pretty big industry to not be able to get that right. Um, because obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of stakes on the line if he's narrowly won a race, you know, on a favourite or a non-favourite or a role to favourite and he's meant to be claiming two instead of three, it, it probably becomes a pretty big issue. So that can get the bin for me. Just before we go on, you're in the lay bin as well because you asked a cameraman how your hair looks. He didn't wait for his answer and said, I oh, know. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't have an answer. I like that. Three seconds answer. before we went on and you put that in the lay bin. Very good. <laughs> oh, right. uh, hey, guys. Um, 
Nice, nice end of uh, season addition there. Plenty of laughs. Uh, we will move into the racing now. And stay with us, viewers and listeners, because I will preface this. It's not, a, it's not, it's not the Rolls-Royce version of racing this week, but what goes up must come down in racing. We can't have Group 1s. We can't have Stradbrokes every weekend. We've got Ipswich Cup Day. We're going to preview three listed races from Ipswich. Then we're going to go around the grounds and just have a look at some races uh, that, you know, we've got some bets in that have caught our eye from around the other states. But we will start off at Ipswich, Tommy. And, and just before I mention that as well, yeah, before we do that, Rory Flanagan, Ascot, Coming up as well, so we'll do a 15 minutes with him coming up, yeah, which will be great. looking forward to hearing all about the Aussies abroad mm. at uh, Royal Ascot, Tommy. Uh, Ipswich, track conditions, um, <coughs> the, uh, the rail's out half a metre the entire circuit. It was currently a five, but the forecast is fine, so I'm assuming it'll run in the good range. And Ipswich is a tricky little track traditionally, isn't it? So how, how do you expect it to play? That's putting it politely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is. You can yeah. get in the bin. It is, yeah, the, I'm laying the Ipswich track. Uh is an awful surface. Sometimes behind the leader is the worst possible position to be in at real momentum track. Mm. They fan her in the corner, they ping, and you've got to have momentum. If you're stuck behind a tiring leader, you're in uh, an awful position. So you can really uh, hone in on bat markers from barrier one and, and stuff like that. And historically, barriers four to seven um, on runners four to midfield advantage. So that's a, a good way to go if you look at the data. Excellent. Hey, we're going to start off in race number seven, which is the listed Ipswich Cup. It's run under handicap conditions over 2,150 metres. Smart Meteor won the race last year. Happy Go Plucky in 2021. Um, we've got class runners, Numerian coming through the Q22, who will likely be up there on speed. Desert Icon, Zadig and Seat of Power. They look the lightly speed influences. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling they push the button on Numerian here. Um, Who's riding it? Well, I don't <laughs> think it'll be Jason Collette after the performance last start. My Has man. he got another honourable mention, Jay Collette? Yeah, so He's been on fire lately. We all had this horse uh, settling behind the leader last start. And Jay Collette just walked him out of the barriers and decided to settle worse than midfield. Uh, I have a feeling Annabelle Nation wasn't too happy about that ride, and she's... She's still looking. Yeah, she's still yeah. trying to still find trying something. To find she might have to end up putting him back on. Oh, <laughs> Reese Goodwin could get the ride at 61 kilos this week. Well, it'd be pretty short in the market if I was on it. So. <laughs> oh, here he is. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think they... So just but seriously, on, la on last week, though, we did... We touched... I reckon every radio show I listened to, every podcast was talking to Miriam, the map horse, the map horse, and was getting going late. So Correct. Interesting. I'm, I'm interested to hear about what you think as well, Reese. Like, when... A horse is targeted up at a big race worth 1.2 like the um, Q22. Does the Ipswich Cup just become an afterthought and does that get into lay territory when you're looking at sort of $3.40 favourite on the corpse? Possibly. Interesting map. So I think they push the buttons. Zadig will cross and, and roll forward as well. Cedar Power can kick up, right, be there up on speed as well. Uh, was up there when it won the Tuba Cup. Uh, Desert Icon handy. Numerian's drawn wide. I think they will leave nothing in the tank here. I think they have to push forward. I think Annabelle Nation wasn't too wrapped with getting so far back last start. I wouldn't be surprised if they take luck out of the equation, say we're on a fit horse, we're on the best horse, let's take the lead and outrun them. And if he runs, I think he will. I think he wins. I think he's the best horse in the race. Clearly, outside of him, I, I found it very tricky. Um, as, he, as he said, he got further back than expected, brings the best form line, highest rating form, if they are positive, I think they'll struggle to get past him, especially the tight-turning Ipswich track. Mm. I can't disagree with that, and I won't. And 
I'm not going to make Numerian a lay bet, but I'm certainly happy to play around Numerian. And there's one here, Dark Destroyer, the Kiwi, looks the clear value of the field for me as a one by three play. He's run off his feet in the BRC sprint fresh first up, um, ran home okay over the mile in the Wayne Wilson after being hampered at the 400. Won the Group 3 rough habit at Eagle Farm last prep, went third up, which was the same trip. Um, Wetter would be better for this horse, but I'm expecting a peak run, and it looks a genuine set play as opposed to the afterthought of, oh, let's just keep soldiering on and try and get a win. So I think Dark Destroyer is a really good one-by-three bet. That's how I'm going to play the race. Reese, do you have an opinion? Not really, no. I, not a race I want to get involved in. It'll be interesting to see if New Marion runs it. Yeah, I don't know what the situation is without a rider being down. Normally they have to be declared a certain time mm, when exceptions come out. Probably by the show's come up, we'll know. Yeah, um, so that, that's interesting to see who rides. No doubt he's the best horse in it. There's 15 exceptions. Out of those 15, there's only three of them that have placed their last start. There's no last start winners. Um, awful race. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to get involved in a race like this. For mine, if Numerian goes around, good luck to him. Hope, I think he deserves a win. He certainly deserves a win. He's a class above these horses, but it's it's hard to um, to be backing him with too much confidence without him winning in quite some time. So, interesting to see who rides, and just happy to watch the race. Mm. I um I went looking for Cedar Power, mm. has tactical speed, which I, I kind of like. Um, ties in through Birdebeck, obviously without a fight. Um, ties in through Numerian as well. So, um, I went looking for Cedar Power. Birdebeck meets him better at the weights. <coughs> Uh, it was very good last start, beat him home, but not sure Ipswich will suit Birdebeck. Mm. He's a horse that kind of needs... He's got a good turn of foot, but he needs to wind up. He's a back marker. I just want for the in-play punters, or you can set a bit of a trap or, or whatnot, but Desert Icon draws inside. I don't think he has enough speed to settle behind leader, so I reckon he could get three back the fence here. And if he does early, if he doesn't jump well, I'll be looking to lay immediately. So that's a little... John Barrier too. Um, I can't see him winning if he's three or four back the fence. So mm. um, just... Wait until they jump and see how he goes and lay in the run. Yep, no, good insight, Tommy. Uh, race number eight, the listed Ipswich Eyeliner Stakes over 13.50. Holyfield won the race last year for Annabelle Neesham and returns again this year. Snitch won it back in 2021 for Tony Gollan. Uh, just in terms of the speed map, you've got Lady of Honour drawn 19, Holyfield 2 will be handy. Sir Warwick in four has been ridden forward his last two starts. How do you see this one unfolding? Yeah, you've ma- you've nailed the map. I think Lady of Honor has to cross and lead from out there. Uh, sets a decent tempo. Mm. There's not a huge amount of pressure, really. As you mentioned, Sir Warwick and Hollyfield are the two others that kick up. But you've got Lady of Honor leading. Um, the one that ticks the most boxes, and I think we're all in agreement here, is Blazer Trail. Mm. Got the form through Antino. He's beaten 7.7. Po- uh, uh, last that looks impeccable for this, really. It drops a whopping six kilos, has an SP advantage on Renouf and Paladas from beating them home there comfortably. Um, the huge concern is this horse could be through about the fence. Mm. Um, and as, as we keep harping on, it's a track that can beat good horses, um, F-Switch. And I don't really want to be against Blazer Trail, but um, Tick so many boxes, I'll have to tip Blazer Trail on top, but I'm just worried about the map. I'm with you. Those the Blazer Trail form lines are superior here. So you you resume in the the um what's that race in Rockhampton called the Archer seven hundred seventy five thousand wasn't hopeless there, and then ran Antino to under a length last start, who looks a genuine Group One operator. So drop six kilos off that run has upside. 
just looks the type of bet, and I know you speak at the track and the map, but this just on paper looks the type of bet that I'm having every single Saturday, Blazer Trail, so I'm keen to get him. Yeah, just don't there. complain if he doesn't get luck, because you know the situation. You, If he doesn't get luck, you'll see Twitter blow up, but you know like that's where he's going to be. That's why you're getting 6 or $7, mm. not $3. Yeah, Yeah. no, I'm completely with him too. He's superior form to some of these. He's only third up. He's a bone-dry tracker. I remember following yep. him in a Mildura Cup. Um, got a good price from there off a, a soft track um, disappointment at Caulfield. So he's a horse I've followed before, won something off him. He's just going to need even luck at the right time. Jake Bayless is a Ipswich boy himself, so he'll be keen to get a big uh, win up there at his hometown since he's come back from New Zealand. So yeah, I think at the price, as you as you outlined, you're probably getting a price because of the, the, the low draw and he might be buried away. But um, I'm certainly happy to have a punt that he's going to get some luck at the right time. It's another, like a lot of the chances in the market do get back as well. Mm. Like Again, I went looking for Lady Honor because she'll be up on speed, but Iris Songs is one that will be back in the ruck. So there's a lot of horses relying on luck, and you we go to race nine as well, same scenario. Lady of Honor's had one of those real frustrating preps. Mm. Like She's been costly for us here, yeah, her layback too. And like out to, I don't know, I don't know what her ideal distance is, like yeah. fourteen hundred. Like, and you you see barrier nineteen going to have to cross. How much? Like, I think she's more suited to shorter trips. So, how mm. much are they going to use her from nineteen as well? It's a it's a really challenging one. Just before we do move on to race nine, I'm just going to have a really small play as well on a horse here called Don't Stop for Paul Nolan Jr. and Georgina Cartwright. We're talking 51s on corporates. You'll get a big price on the day. Ripped home second fastest last 200 of the race last start. That was in Benchmark 80 Company and ran a career peak figure. Profiles to improve second up. A nice jump out between runs. This is a big step up in class, but if there's anyone ripping home late at a big price, I'm, I'm just going to have something small and don't stop for a huge result. Uh, race number nine, the listed Gay Waterhouse Classic. It's for the Phillies and Mares, over 1,200 metres, and Centrefire won the race last year for Chris Munts and Lily Moore back in 2021 for John O'Shea. Again, speaking, maps so important, particularly for Ipswich. Lots of speed drawn wide. Some of the key market chances that get back have drawn the paint here, and I guess it is a shoot start as well, the 1,200 at uh, Ipswich. So that may have some influences on what those guys out wide do, if they do really, you know, use it up and push forward or if they're just happy to sit out wide and, I guess, you know, run the risk on the turn. Um, Enterprise Pom, Fashionale, Typhoon Tavi, Self-Indulgent, Lady Laguna, the favourite drawn in the middle. Um, look, the speed influences, Tommy. Yeah, spot on. Um, speed drawn out wide and back markers drawn in, mm. almost, as you said. Uh, fascinating race. We'll get a good idea, obviously, come race nine, how the track's playing. Majestic Shot ran a brilliant race in this race last year. Best run, almost best run of the day. Um, ran the fastest final 600 and 400 of the entire day last year and still ran third, beating 1.4. That just goes to show the track um, can beat good horses. She again maps to be last. Um, she's flying. I went looking for her, but I'm worried about where she gets to. I can see her running another fantastic race and not winning. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, Sneaky Five, Extremist tied in. I was, went looking for Extremist, but uh, Extremist is now scratched. Sneaky Five uh, ties in as well. Two kilos better at the weights. Uh, has some hope. A little plain last start, but was good prior. Um, yeah, not sure 1,200 metres suits now. but um, No, sorry, 1,200 does suit now. Ready to peak, third up, Sneaky Five. Later, the Guna. Again, went looking for Lady Laguna, has bring, or brings good form line, but yet to win at 10 attempts at the 1,200. That's got to be a concern. out. Lady Laguna's out yep. now. Okay, yep. well, they've read that book. Um, so 
just on the map, I think key chances get back. I'm with two horses, and I went uh, focusing heavily on map here that probably aren't in as good a form or aren't bringing as good a form into the race, but Enterprise Pom and Chassis are the two mm. map horses for me. Enterprise Pom can lead from 15, give a great account. I like backing winners off wins or horses off wins, and this horse does this. Harder here, down in weight, rock hard fit, leads, ticks a lot of boxes there. Enterprise Pom, you're getting big price and chassis. The other one draws well, leading stable. 13 back to 12 off a 39-day break. I like drawn perfectly. We'll need a bit of luck, but she's in the mix at a big price as well. So I'm, I could spec Enterprise Pom and Chassis in the last at Ipswich. Do you think, um, would you probably be keen to lay a horse like Snap Gate 1? Going to be a long way back. Again, I went looking for Snap, mm. uh, a horse that draws in. Gate again. 1, her biggest probably concern, isn't it? Yeah, she got a mile 100%. back at, at, at Morvedur last time. Mm. It's a, hard, a dangerous horse to lay as well because she could find the gaps mm, and look explosive right, and come yeah. out and win by three. But if they overdo it and then she does get the right run, she's going to look very good later. But chances are... A liability attached to that, that type <laughs> of layer. Was, Is that probably I've, why you're getting more $6? Yes. Like she brings on, different on form her, too, which best, I like. On her best form, she's probably more $4, yep. $4.50 chance. But I like the horse. a lot of things to unfold. Yeah, correct. I like the horse. You're getting... The market's taken all this into account. Um, if she gets broke, she could win easily. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, but... Yes, tough race, tough track. Uh, I'm going to go with Love Sensation here from the Golan team. Angela Jones knows her very well. I thought she was great. First up, 1,400, which it's an interesting setup. She's gone first up, 1,400, and I felt she probably felt the pinch uh, late, but she was good enough against a number of these that are in this race. She's had a trial in between and trolled well, uh, winning that trial. The only issue is the wide gate, but I, I think there's a lot of speed here, and if for some reason they do run along very quickly and they do stop. I'd rather be out wide rather than searching for runs down on the fence like possibly snaps. So who knows, if she can build momentum and they do overdo it, I think she can be a really good sweeper. She's more than 20 to one. And I think her form ties in with a lot of these horses. And if she gets the right run, she's well over the odds. So keen to have a little play there. Yep, I'm gonna have a couple of two <coughs> little two bet play here as well. Russian Conquest will be my main play. Uh, the lone filly in the race now with the Lady Laguna scratching. Um, Larry Cassidy goes on, on board. He rides this track better than any other track in Queensland in terms of strike rate and profit on turnover. So he rides it very well. It's like his own backyard. Um, he will need to sum this race up pretty quickly, though, in that first sort of 250, 300 from the shoot start um, to get into a good position. Uh, I think can yeah power over the top and be too strong late. Russian conquest. The other one is Enterprise Pom who I'm uh, keen to play at a big price as well. Loved her return at Doombin over 1,200 metres. Mm. Bit of work for Boris Thornton to do from out wide, but she puts herself into races and she gives you a chance. So at the price, uh, I think a really good um, two-bet play as well, Enterprise Pom. Lovely. Boys, that's um, all the races we're actually going to look at now for, um, for Ipswich. But we might go around the grounds and just have a look at some, um, some bets. I know, Tommy, you're always... You're always looking in Sydney, and um, it's a super card at Flemington. What do you got for us? Yeah, do you want to just uh, talk about our highlights for the season? Break oh. it up a little bit. Oh, do you have yeah, any well, highlights for the season, yeah, Reese? You missed one the, show. You all said the, all the winners I found. That's that's a highlight. Yeah. All the winners you found. There's another highlight. Thank you. Now, uh, look, no, I think the whole thing's been a highlight for me. It's been Thank something you. different um, for me to to actually hone into some form and and get together with you guys who probably know a little bit more about it and deep dive into it a bit more than me and get down here and um, discuss it all. So if I had to narrow it down to a highlight, mm, I don't really know, to be honest. I think me and footy... Me and footy, <laughs> just, me and footy, like me and footy cleaning mm -hmm. up 
um, and Adelaide when Red Sun Sensation won. That was a pretty good weekend. I was going to bring that up as a weekend. highlight. Highlight being selfless. You guys nailed it that week. Hastel War. 27. Yeah, War and uh, Red yeah. Sun Sensation. You blokes, that day was fantastic. Is this where you so. now pump your tyres up? Well done. Well, I laid Animo, um, retired him. <laughs> that was good. Said he, said, I also, You've had a great autumn, haven't you? I was up and about. Had a you, few. Have, you have announced you by honour and without a fight as well. Yes. You've, um, you've really got behind some of these sort of internationals. I said Giga Kick early in the season was the best horse in the country yes. and that was um, obviously before he won a couple of group ones so uh, yeah no my predictions are going alright I've got a big opinion of Dubai Honor and obviously uh, got the chocolates in the Queen Elizabeth that was mm. it's not easy to come up and say that Animo will get trounced by Dubai Honor but that was a highlight um, what else uh, without a fight I think he's one of the I, th I think he can win a Cox Plate or a Caulfield Cup if they target a Caulfield Cup I think yeah. he's a serious horse I think he mm. can be Top five horses in the country, so um, I could probably add that I found him when he was ten to one too. So you and I, yeah, you, and, you I. and I, you and, and I. I wasn't on him last time, but that doesn't go. When you get in the start before at ten, it's all right. Jules's <laughs> uh, early lay bins, laying yeah. condiments, sensation. Does the bloke like anything? No, I don't think so. No, well, we haven't had a backboard set. Se like segment on the show, so we haven't really That's been able we to. That's because we had Reese on earlier. We haven't really <laughs> been able to identify if he does <laughs> like anything. But hey, it was great having him on. And what I've liked, Tommy, is seeing how you know we've had some key form analysts yourself, Jules, on, seeing how differently that you approach each race. And I think like Tommy, you see, I see yourself how you look at it from a data and a field perspective. Jules is very much numbers yep. prices. It's been really interesting to see how he uses the exchange as well from his um, his background at, at the the other joint that he was at, as he called it. <laughs> so um, I think it's been yeah a, a great season and, and just learning from form analysts. And I think what you can understand is there's no right way to do this. Like it's the great game for a reason. There's so many different formulas. You take a little bit from this person, a little bit from that person, and they're probably my biggest takeouts from the season thus far. I'd probably yeah, add another one when Miles filled in. The banter between you two was was unreal. <laughs> there was just no letting go. How about when I said I said Animo would get beaten by Jim Honor and Gig is the best horse in the country. He lost it. He did. He, he legit did. He fell off he a did. chair and yeah. fired yeah. right up. And, yeah. uh, no, that was good. No, you make a good point. Jules obviously uses data first and foremost in the market and market flux and then he implements feel. I'm a bit the other way. I do the form based on feel and almost um, like practically I, I watch a lot of replays and then use the data mm -hmm. to back up my eye and, and my feel. So... No right, or right, not right or wrong way to do the form, as you said, and you've got to learn from everyone, and I've learned a lot from both of you too, so thank you. Oh, brilliant. Well, um, let's put all of this love into action here and Can find we do another something else for our, yeah, yeah, I know, it's too much. <laughs> find something Stop else for our viewers and our listeners to actually you know, go out with a bit of a bang. We, you, you want to finish the season strongly so people will come back for spring and listen and watch us again, boys. And Flemington is a interesting card this weekend. We might just have a look at um, any bets that you might have there first, Tommy. I've got a couple as well. Uh, and Reese has a couple of bets at Flemington as well. Yeah, Reese and I are against each other here. Mm. I don't think Unusual. we'll have another bet here. But um, race nine at Flemington, number nine, Kin. Of course, he doesn't want to have another bet. I don't want to. I don't, don't want to know like what you'll do next. Can we quickly after this? touch on the track at Flemington because the rail is yes. out eleven meters yes. this week, yep. and it's in a it's in a seven range at the moment. Went like to a six this morning. Six to yeah. a morning. What yeah. sort of effect can that have on the day? What's the weather doing in the yeah, next couple of no. days? Oh. So there's your lay bin. Another one. Yeah. Weather. Correct. Come up a few times. Weather in general. Oh, with the rail out, I think it's okay. Like straight races, they generally get to the middle anyway. Yeah. Um, 
they can get wide when the rail's out a bit as well. So um, interesting well, to see. That's I, what I, was gravi- gonna s- I gravitate to grandstand. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Because when, so when we got straight racing, generally the outside is the better part. So now the rail's all the way out in 11. Do we find that on the, the corner racing around the bend that you're not losing as much ground to maybe get out in that little bit better ground where the straight races seem to be benefited being wide? Yeah, you make a point. Like wind's, if it's in the true, it's a long way well. to get out there, isn't it? Yeah, wind's got, a bit to, wind's got a bit to do with, rather than the rail position as well. So just monitor that. And their race is one, four and nine. So mm. it's not like they're, you know, back to back early That's in the right. card. Yep. So you might just get a little bit of a scattering there in terms of... I'm not sure if you'll find too much of a trend. Yeah, so just on my only bet at Flemington thus far is number nine, Kin. I mm-hmm. think Reese is taking it on, but back to the provincials here, Reese. his horse. Um, walked last start, went 8.6 lengths slower than class benchmark to the 600 metres. Form has formed down the straight. I own a Merck um, form. I think that reads pretty good. Vowmaster was good prior to that. So drawn the right part of the track uh, wide, I think, and... I think she can win, Ken. You're against her. Yeah, I'm gonna, it's going to be. I've only got the two at um, Melbourne. One's my best bet. One's my best lay. Ken's going to be my best lay. Just thought watching his last couple, I thought he had every chance. I do concede he's probably got the stronger form lines, but um, I think her. Sorry, her. Three sorry, three. apologies yep. for that. Um, I thought she had every chance with Zach Lloyd last time. I think she had 51 or 52 on her back. Yeah, 52. Um, yeah. yeah, I was just happy to take her on at that price. Uh, and my best bet, I'm going to make. Uh, Stepati, the two-year-old in race two, uh, Pauli Prushka's horse that uh, Rick Max got a share in. They got offered a fair bit of money after the impressive win up the straight last time. He didn't um, rate through the roof off the debut, but it was a slowly run race. He got into a fast race up the straight at Flemington, and he still blew them away with, I think, a bit more to give. He, he did say had a look at the winning post late. Mm. 1,400 looks no issue. We're getting about even money. Um, I need to bounce back after the last couple of weeks, so going to try and get uh, get out of trouble with Stepati. I like that. How am um going into getting involved in two straight races at Flemington. Dangerous at the territory. Oh, I love straight racing. I'm all about it. I, I, I live for it, actually. Flemington race four is is a challenging race, but I think there's there's two clear ways out here for me, and that is Zach DeBoss and saving on side. Isn't he a track specialist up the straight? Seriously. He doesn't if, miss. Mate, put a line through his last mm. start. That was mm. um, benchmark nine. He chopped out with... Three or four hundred yep. to go, Correct. and went to the line under six grips. Like it was just the biggest forgive job. I think and Matty Cartwright's on him too, and he's one on him up yes, the straight previously. Yeah, that's correct. He is on on board, so he's going to be my main bet. I think, as you mentioned, like straight tr- ticking the straight track box is huge, yes. and uh, yeah, counts for a couple of lengths for Correct. me. Yep. The other one there, if I'm going that avenue, has to be Sai. And I think Zach DeBoss is at seven bucks, Sai's at about two bucks forty. So I'm going to have Zach DeBoss my main bet, and I'm going to save on Sai. I don't want to lose on Sai. Um, he's got Carleen Heffel on board. Um, it's not. It's a non-claimers race. So That's interesting. A he's couple gone of the, with the couple of the apprentices. Couple of the apprentices in a non-claimers race. Right, but like they're giving, the they're giving the likes of General Bo, who's top weight. Like he's giving him six kilos. Mm. So I'd much prefer to play. He's the class horse, but hasn't been the class horse. Doesn't win. Lately, has he? Yeah, he's probably yeah. come down from what he was doing early doors. Yep. And the other, my my best at Flemington is actually in race one. Um, it's over a thousand up the guts at seventy eight, and that is rattle and bang and. Talk about one by three play. I messaged you guys last night and said, this is a three by nine. Um, <laughs> Can't say I'd ever had a message yeah. saying this is a three by nine. Yeah. <laughs> this was new territory. Three jump outs. So first up here, three jump outs. The latest uh, being over the distance, a thousand metres at Maui. Um, 
Lucky overall on top who claims three, old dad's overalls. Uh, last prep was two lengths off Jigsaw, just over one length to Rose Quartz when finishing third in the Doveton Stakes. He's going to be nice and forward for this, and I think very hard to beat at a good price. Rattle and bang, you're getting double-figure odds, so that's a one by three. Uh, and then just I'll duck over the border to Murray Bridge. You know I love my South Australian racing. Race number two, it's a thousand metre race, and one on the seven-day backup is the Gov. SP three bucks only last week at Morfittville in 62 grade was runner-up to Zara Race. Sat deep, um, was wide throughout four and five the trip. Little bit of a step up to 82 grade here, but draws soft, cops a whopping 10 kilo weight relief on last start. Rock hard fit, should lead them up, be very hard to get past. I've got a feeling he was one of the ones, I think he was in last week, the last race last weekend, mm-hmm. Tomlinson got hurt and mm-hmm. they, there was no claimer. So they ended up, we're going to have three off and they end up getting Jake Torek who nearly got the job done. So it, it's fair to say probably would have won with a three kilo last week yep. and now you're getting a, a 10 kilo swing too. So Don't mention the war. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you yeah. weren't happy last week. I wasn't. I had to give it a run though. I, I wasn't. Wanted, I wanted to poke the bear. Yeah. Um, Lay bin. Oh, it's just unlucky. <laughs> it's just the game. You lose. The great your, game. You lose your three kilo claimer, and you get another three kilo claimer that you might not want on your horse. But you know, nothing's equal, and that's just how it works. It's unlucky. Yep. Fair. Um, I've got my other bet uh, and my best bet. We'll move to best bets as well. Race nine, number four at Rose Hill Space Tracker. It's the Annabelle Nation former international handicap. Uh, she's got three in the race. It's not actually. Don't go look I was going to say, she really wants uh, to win it. Look at the price. Uh, <laughs> Jet Stanley sticks with this horse. Three kilo claim is important. Drops in weight. Very, very, very fast run race last time. Didn't suit this horse first up. Former international. Tried well prior. They went 5.3 lengths faster than class benchmark at the 600 last start, ran home faster than class benchmark two. So they've gone out hard and ran home fast, high rating race, up to 1,500 metres, can settle outside lead, slower tempo suits, and further and second up. So I think Space Track will be hard to beat. I'm sticking with him. It's a tricky race because I've got a bit of an opinion of Annabelle Isham's other two as well. So, But I think Space Track is the one. She nearly trifecta. Her race. I have a feeling one of them will come out, but um, yeah, she wouldn't be surprised if she runs, runs in there. That's at Rose Hill as well. When you talk about jockeys flicking switches, she's Jet Stanley. He was riding figure eights on horses at Corowa a couple of months ago, and now is just riding city mm. trebles for fun um, and dominating. So Same good on Jet. Good young kid. That was Cowra. He was riding that previously. <laughs> not Corowa. <laughs> Boys, that... Uh, that rounds out our layback with Betfair show for today and the season. Uh, Tommy, as you mentioned at the top, um, thanks to everyone for tuning in um, and listening throughout the season. If you do have any feedback, seriously get in touch because we're always looking to make the show better. Um, Not personal feedback, just no, well, get Tom I get off the show. <laughs> I get enough of that. Um, weekends. Um, so we're always looking to make the show better um, and you know, looking for topics that might interest you and, and, and helping people become um, more profitable punters. So um, yeah, please drop us a line if, you, if, you'd like, if you've got some improvements or some ideas. But boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, looking forward to spring. We'll definitely strip fit out from this series and we'll, we'll hit spring with a head of steam. Well done. Thanks yep, for having no, me. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Thank you.
What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, call the number on the screen or visit the website. Hello, welcome to Layback with Betfair, the Royal Ascot preview. We've just finished up our Australian show and it's now time to turn our eyes to the UK and stepping into the hot seat is Rory Flanagan. Welcome along, Rory. Thanks for having me, fellas. Mate, it's a big week coming up for you. You must be pretty excited. It's a tough gig, this. You're previewing a five-day carnival five days before it kicks off. So um, some of the form you've completed on the final day is actually 10 days away. So exactly. no pressure. No, no pressure at all. But no, I, I love it. This is this is my grand final. This is my um, this is the one thing that I set myself for every year. So I'm I'm excited to get stuck into it. Bit of pre bit of pre carnival nerves, no doubt as well. Then, mate, if that's uh, the pressure you're putting on yourself, I'm, I'm more nervous about having to wear the top hat and tails. To be honest, <laughs> really, pants optional on the couch or <laughs> no, he's <laughs> kidding. Over. I'm, actually I'm, fly- yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm flying over. I'm I've got the wrong hosting gig here. I'm, got, I'm flying straight from straight from the. Uh, studios on Sunday morning for another preview show. Yep. Straight onto the plane. So if uh, if baggage drop doesn't go too well, then I could be in a bit of a, <laughs> could be in a spot of bother. Well, I need some quick sectionals at uh, border security. Yeah, we'll keep the top hat in the overhead compartment, mate. Uh, Tommy and I are just going to go through the five days with you, mate. And the best place to kick off, I guess, is the Tuesday. Before we do that, though, I guess historically, how's the track played and how much can the pattern change across the five days? Yeah, normally you'll find with, with wear and tear on a softer track, there's more uh, variations in, in which lanes they'll come up. But traditionally on, on a rattling fast surface where it's nice and dry and they're just watering it, they'll progress from one side of the track will get more watering, the other track will, other side of the track will dry quicker. So the fast lane on the Tuesday might be close to the stand side. Then come Thursday when there's some rail movements and more watering applied, then the, the far side becomes the fast lane. And then you've got some of these 30 horse um, big field handicaps and you're, you're betting into you know, these massive markets. But if you can catch on to the track pattern, then you can put a line through you know, 15 of those and you're betting into a 75% market instead of 100%, 110% market. So that's one, one thing to look out for. Oh, that's really interesting. Well, we'll start off in uh, on Tuesday in the group one, the Queen Anne. Over the mile, it's wait for age. Bayeed won the race last year for Billy Haggis, Jim Crowley in the saddle. There's two at the top of the market, Modern Games and Inspiral, that look uh, pretty tough to beat. How are you assessing this one? Modern Games is probably close to my second best bet of the week uh, from the 35 races. So I think his form over a mile on dry ground is just phenomenal. It's world class. Um, he was once touted as a Golden Eagle type horse, but then he started winning for fun and Charlie Apple would be like, oh, hang on, we've got a future stallion star here on our hands, let's place him a bit better, let's take him to the Breeders' Cup, that, side of, that sort of thing. Um, question mark whether he'll handle the, the uphill finish at Ascot, but I think with the dry track form, the, gr- the horses he's beaten, the form that's standing up in behind, um, I think 2, 280, 2.9 you're getting on Betfair at the moment, I think that's a great price to take. And in Spiral, she's sort of got some bad tendencies when jumping out the barriers. She can fluff the start a bit. Mm. And I think for those two to be almost the same price, there's too many knocks on in Spiral. Um, she mixes up her form t- too much. She, was, you know, she lost to horses that she put 12 lengths on last yeah. season. So 
Bond games, just bomb proof. You know you're going to get a run for your money, and I think he's probably the second best bet of the week. Yeah, and two eighty, two ninety. I just I've noticed just looking at the the exchange markets last night when we're six days out, the liquidity is massive in these already, and you can already sort of get involved on the exchange, Tommy. Yeah, two eighty eight currently. Um, you can just start putting up some prices as well, asking there'll be plenty of backers and plenty of layers on betfair.com.au. Inspiral won the Coronation Stakes last year. It was a 1,600-metre circle race, so now they're 1,600-metre straight. I assume the straight's a lot tougher than the circle race? 100%, and I think she she benefits from being smothered up, ridden in behind a pack, and then being produced explosively late, whereas this, you've sort of got to expose yourself and you've got to make a long, sustained run up a straight track, and that suits one games a little bit better than it suits Inspiral. Frankel won this race in 2012 by lazy by, 11 a lengths. By a lap. If you don't mind. Unbelievable race. One of the uh, best performances on turf in the history of the world, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great record for favourites, to be honest. I think any time a favourite's come up odds on, they've almost, the last 20 years, I think they've only been beaten two, two times. So. There you go. Huge. Hey, let's turn our attention to the Group 1 King Stand uh, stakes. Wage for age, 1,000 metres. Up the guts again. There's a real Australian flavour to this. You spoke about this on um, last week's show as well. Nature Strip or Nature Stripe, <laughs> as they called it, won it. Uh, put a hole in them last year. You've got Cool and Gatter for Team Ma Eustace will represent us as well as Cannonball for Team Snowden. What are the important factors to consider before, I guess, betting into this race? How is this race changed over the week since you last sort of gave us a preview. Um, the Aussies are genuine sniff. Well, uh, Cool and Gatta, the, the team put up a, fo- a video of her gallop uh, last night and she looked really, really good. Um, she was only in second gear and she dropped the lead horse um, like a murder weapon. Do you know who that was? Uh, I think it was So Chic, who's like a 85 rated sprinter for yeah. Charlie, Charlie so Hills. So the benchmark so, 58 here, mm-hmm. sprinter. Well, she's not a bad horse to be honest. Um, She's probably a 900-metre Gold Coast type, um, that thing. But um, it was a good piece of work. It gave me a similar feel to what Nature Strip did when he went over there and had his first look at Ascot. So um, if you like her and you want to back her, you can't have too many knocks on, on what she's done so far since she's landed. Um, she looks in good health. And I think about the price she's getting at the moment, it's, it looks almost a two-horse race between her and the favourite. Um, but the, the volumes of money that get crunched late, like the market with this race, they always seem to know. Like you had uh, Oxted a couple of years ago, it was $11 half an hour before the jump, and then he jumped 5.5 and bolted in. Um, the Nature Strip last year, a minute before the jump, he was 3.8. 30 seconds before the jump, he was 3.7. At the jump, he was 3.3. And these are like massive multi-million dollar markets, the volume, and he just got absolutely s- smashed and he won by six, seven lengths. So. I'd say follow the, mo- the money late with this race because they always seem to know. Mm. And what are the prices at the moment at the top of the market, Tommy? And importantly as well, the Aussies, what are we sort of sitting at? Yeah, I feel Princess $3.70 at the moment, Cool and Gatta $4.30. Uh, given Australia's record, we've won this race four or five times. We sent Dreddy 2007, Scenic Blast 2009, Take of a Target, won it, Choisir in 2003, and obviously Nature Strip last year as well. We've got a great record in the race. So Cool and Gatta $4.30. I think Australia will be hard to beat in this race. Cannonball, $13. What do you make of Highfield Princess? It's just... actually a pretty good move for for, Can- for sorry for Cool and Gatta because she was 5.1 a few hours ago. So $4.30 there. So Highfield Princess, is she as good as the odds suggest she is? She's probably the the toughest horse in UK racing. She can 
You need to be with this. You, you Obviously can, she can win over a thousand. Yep. She can win over fourteen hundred. She can do it from the back of the field. She can do it on pace. She can do it on any kind of going. Um, she can do it on uphill tracks. She can do it on flat tracks. And she's always thereabouts in the top three. Um, and they love her constitution so much that they're even talking about if she wins at Royal Ascot, they'll try and secure an Everest slot for her. So she'd want to be winning by a fair space to have any kind of hope. Because if you look at the, the record of the, the Europeans in the Everest, they come around the bend in Randwick and then the wheels fall off and they finish last. So yeah. just, just a point here on the markets um, footy. Mm. If you like Call and Gatter, if you like Cannibal, if you're going to bet, don't bet in the Australian Corps. Like, bet against the UK punters on betfair.com.au because you're going to get a much better price. You can get on for whatever you want. So if you are going to back them, don't bother looking on your corporates. Get straight to Betfair because you're getting the best price. All right, well, let's move to the next group one on the Tuesday uh, and then before we get to day number two. And it's the St. James Palace. It's over a mile. It's for three old boys. Uh, Caribus won the race last year in a blanket finish for Team Godolphin. Um, this year we've got... Callie Dunn, is it Caldean? Caldean. Caldean. Uh, Paddington and Chiquero's Gift, they all share the top end of the market. How are you seeing this one, mate? I'm a massive, massive fan of, of Paddington. I think, I think his win in the Irish 2000 Guineas was much, much better than it looked. Um, Caldean had the right draw and the right uh, race shape and, and got some rain in the 2000 Guineas in the English version. So I think he's rock, rock bottom odds. Um, I've had a bit of a lay on him um, in futures because I think his price is, is just too too low and you can just risk that. And then on the day, if he drifts a bit, then you can obviously chop out and, and get yourself some profit. But I think Paddington for Aidan O'Brien, he's potentially going to throw in a pacemaker as well to try and stir the pot. Um, the interesting one is, is Cicero's gift, who two weeks ago was 11 bucks and then he had some interest from Hong Kong buyers and some Australian buyers, and now he's closer to six, seven dollars. So he's been a sustained market move for him. Um, I just don't think he's suited to a rock hard, dry track because he's got a big round knee action. But that's where all the money is at the moment. Just with the liquidity in the market, you must be able to, obviously having an eye to UK racing like you do, you must be able to make some serious profit before we even get to Royal Ascot, um, given the amount of money in there on the exchange in the UK. And is, is that something that you constantly look to do? So when you go there, it's basically, you're gonna be ahead of the game regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you're looking, I think the best way to play is look at races where some horses will only have a liking for soft ground and you wanna get on a dry track type horse and you know that these trainers are gonna protect these horses and scratch their wet trackers on the dry track. So that, that market's gonna tighten up in a massive way and you can guarantee yourself some profit by either laying those horses that aren't gonna run or backing those horses that are definitely gonna run at a bigger price that'll shorten and shorten and shorten mm. and obviously trade it on the day. Brilliant. Uh, let's head to Wednesday now. Um, we've got a Group 1 and a Group 2 to preview here. The first is the Group 1, the Prince of Wales Stakes, over 2,000. Uh, a galloper who we're very familiar with in Australia on the 2021 Cox Plate State of Rest, uh, won the race last year for Joseph O'Brien. And you're pretty excited about this year's edition, Rory. Yeah, no, it, until last week, it, it looked like absolutely the race of the week because you had Desert Crown, you had a Dayar, you had... Um, uh, Aidan O'Brien's horse, Luxembourg, who was, you know, an arc favourite at one stage. And then obviously you've got My Prospero as well, who My Prospero is rumoured to be tackling the Cox Plate this year, so he's one to keep an eye on. Um, quite often this race is a bit trappy in that it favours the 
two or three horses that are settling at the front of the field. So you don't want to be anything too far back. State of Rest obviously won by leading the whole way. Mm -hmm. So you don't want a horse that, that's going to be at the back of the field because they usually go pretty slow here. Um, but you can't really look past a day at this point in time because the horse he beat first up, Anmart, went to France and won the, uh, the pre-Dispahan, which is a group one. And he looks like he's finally learned how to settle because he's thrown away two group ones last season purely because he didn't settle. Um, so I think he looks, he looks a really good bet in that race. Um, and my Prospero, obviously, last week was the trade strategy. There's been a couple of scratchings now. Obviously, the favourites come out. So my Prospero is quite shortened quite a bit, and um, you could, he's probably going to come out, come in even more, and you can then you can trade out for some profit there. Yep. What are the markets looking like in that race, Tommy? Very even at the top. Luxembourg three twenty, uh, Adaya three thirty, my Prospero now four dollars fifty, and Bay Bridge, on the fourth line at seven dollars sixty, guys. So um, pretty even market. It'll trim down a, a fair bit more coming closer to the race as well. Yep. Um, the Group Two Queen Mary again over the. 1,006 metres up the straight. Um, what's your opinion on this one? Just just keep an eye on whatever Wesley Ward brings over because they usually run top three. Um, they're almost a lock to do that. They run 900 metre races around a tight donut type track in America mm. and they've just got pure speed and they're just so sharp out of the gates that a lot of these inexperienced UK sprinters that only have, or two-year-olds that only have you know, one start or two starts maximum and still have bad barrier manners, they're really professionally educated. And just from being able to land four or five links in front of the other horses, that's why they go much, much closer. So I think keep an eye on whatever he brings over for that race. And he's won four of the last 14 editions, like you said. So his latest in 2020. I'm interested by that as well, because we talk about, um, we spoke about in the King's Stand, that you almost have to be like an 1100 or 1200 metre horse Absolutely. with that uphill part as well. But you're saying the key advantage here is just that early speed. Because they don't have barrier trials in the UK. So... The, the work that they do in America sometimes, so they're not afraid to fire them out of the gates. Mm. So they're just much, much more professionally educated as two-year-olds. And I think that's why he's had such a good record in Dada Scott. Brilliant. Um, before we head to Thursday, we might just talk about, and you've already touched on it a little bit, just in our back to school segment, might talk about track pattern and bias. And I'm really um, keen to hear how you make track pattern and bias um, profitable for yourself prior to the race and even being run. Yeah, so the, the first thing I'll try and try and do and look at is compare the meetings on the same sort of same sort of going. If it was good to firm, or if it was heavy, or where are they coming on on that particular um, part of the track? Um, have they moved the rail out? Um, what were they doing? If there's a big carnival, what were they doing the previous days before? Has the rail shifted again? Um, and then you just basically you're trying to reduce your market percentage of what you're betting into. So if you know you can just put a line through you know, 10 horses out of a 20 horse big field handicap straight away, th then you're just identifying the horses that are going to be able to find that, you know, fast lane, that fast rail and putting together a couple, you know, you might want to back two or three horses because they can't all find that rail. Mm. Um, and then looking for ones that sort of settle in behind on that rail as well, that'll get back in the run and might run on late and find some gaps and because they balloon in, in price in these races. So in these big field handicaps, um, there's a lot of horses that, They'll, they'll fluctuate quite sharply in their price in the run. And if you're keeping an eye on that and you're pretty sharp and you've got some, you know, some back orders ready to go at bigger prices, 
or some lay orders at some pretty short prices for horses that'll be stuck in the no man's land, so to speak, mm. that's probably the best way to play it. Yeah. I'm also keen to understand as well, like, because it's very different to racing out here in Australia, and I'm not a big international punter mm. at all, but I'm really intrigued around these 30 horse fields and places paying down to six. Like, is that a really great opportunity to yeah. make some money around that, for, particularly for those yeah. horses that find the right lanes, map well, land up on speed? So, for, for example, one of, one of the most successful ones I had a few years back was a horse called Biometric, which yep. ended up coming out to Australia. Um, he, was, he was coming down the, I think he was drawn 25 of, of 30 or something like that mm-hmm. um, in the Britannia. And I had a good crack at him to win, but also in the six places market because I knew that there's no way he could have possibly got across and into no man's land from how far across he was. And I was happy to throw you know, darts at three or four or five horses that are all drawn that that faster side, that markedly faster side. Because what happens is they'll break into two groups because some some pace will be on the on one side and they'll those horses will gravitate and they'll follow that because they want some cover, they want to lead. And then on the other side where the ground's much, much better, much quicker, they'll they'll break off. And so you can almost put a line through all the horses on the far side and stick with the ones that are on the near side. And if you if you're getting, you know, 30 horses and you know that none of them are going to run a place on the far side and you've got a 50 to 1 shot to run top six, mm. that's where you can really get some value and there's plenty of liquidity to do it because it's such a major carnival. Huge. Um, let's head to Thursday now, mate, and we'll talk about the Group 2 Ribblesdale. It's for the three-year-old fillies over 2,400. Uh, Jessica Harrington trained Magical Lagoon to win the race last year. You're expecting a fair bit to unfold over the weekend uh, yes. in terms of how this race shapes. Yeah, quite quite often. So this this falls right in the midst of where where the French Oaks is as well. So a lot of these horses that sort of missed out on getting a Group One early doors, um, in either the Allery or the English Oaks, um, they'll try and snag a Group One or what they think is a weaker Group One um, in the French Oaks, and then this race cuts up in a big way as a result. So if if you know you've got a horse that's going to go there and definitely is being aimed at this race, you can have a futures ticket here and then sort of lay off mm-hmm. at, a, at a shorter price later on. So I, there's two horses I like called Lumia Rock and LeMay. Now both of them I think they're about 20 bucks, or they were when I last checked. Um, they both want rock hard as fast as possible ground and they both want the 2400 metre trip and I think they'll run big races at a price and I know that they're definitely going there because I've had it confirmed by Connections. So that's Lumiere, Rock and LeMay, Tommy. What were they paying there on the exchange at the moment? Yeah, LeMay, $36 at the moment, and Lumiere, Rock, $14. So plenty of value. Uh, $10,000 traded in this market already, and a $5 favourite. So pretty open betting there. Are we going to move on to the Gold Cup now? Yeah, we will. The feature of the day on Thursday, uh, run over 4,000 metres, the feature for Ladies' Day. Uh, Stradivarius is probably the one that... Even even myself, not being a huge <laughs> international racing fan, um, that treble hits pretty home from 2018 to 2020. How does this year's edition look in terms of class? Yeah, it's, it's new kids on the block this year. Um, you have a first-time winner except for Subjectivist. Subjectivist had about 12 months off with an injury. Um, the interesting one is, is Yabir. He won 2,400-metre Breeders' Cup with a punishing turn of foot, and now they're throwing him over 4,000 metres up an extra mile in distance. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I think Charlie Appleby sort of lost for ideas with what to do with him. Um, His pers- training performance. Personally, I think you should send him to Australia because he'd be great out here. Mm-hmm. He's perfect around a bend. Um, it's one horse called Courage Mon Ami, who's a potential to watch as a Melbourne Cup import. 
But I think Coltrane is extremely hard to beat. He won 4,400 metres at this carnival last year. Worthy favourite, loves the track, loves the grounds, gun jockey. Taking $4.70? Absolutely. There you go. It's a good uh, confidence tip into Coltrane in the Gold Cup on the Thursday. Uh, Friday, we've got a couple of Group 1s to look at. Commonwealth Cup for the three-year-olds, 1,200. Uh, perfect power for Richard Fay, won it last year. Um, you're taking a set against the Phillies, though. Yeah, I do love Lazoo as a horse, um, and I thought she'd shorten us in price as I think she'd be in a good training, trading strategy. Um, but they have a shocking record. I think I've, I've had nearly 30 of them run, and there's only had two winners. So um, It's pretty damning. The key, the, key, yeah, the key stat here, what you want to look for, is a three-year-old that's dropping from a mile back to 1,200. And we've had, I think, in the last six years, I think four out of the six have done that and won. Three out of the last four years. You've got a little big bear who flopped in the guineas, came out and won over 1,200 metres last start. He looks a worthy favourite here. Perfect Power did it last year. Advertised the year before. Campanella as well. Is that is that track-related, tempo-related combination it's, of things? It's as harsh as it might sound. It's bad training. It's, it's greedy uh, breeders and, and owners who want a mile-winning, guineas-winning stallion, and they think that their three-year-olds can get the mile, and they just simply don't, and they're better suited as a sprinter because they always were a sprinter. They drop them back in trip, they win this race because they're the best horse. So um, who are you siding with? Yeah, so there's, there's opinion here? two horses that I'm really, really keen on. One is the favourite little big bear, but also Al Dasim, who mm -hmm. had a great campaign in Dubai, and I think he just went a little bit off the boil against the older horses, played up pre-race in that, in that, in that uh, Alquaz. I think back to the UK with a bit of a freshen up. Big chance of big odds. Yep, what price? Yeah, it was about $50 and a little big bear, 276 there. So um, a favourite and one at big odds. On a Tommy Haylock two play for the, for those types of odds, Tommy. Uh, group one coronation stakes time, three-year-old fillies, mile. Um, Tommy Touchstone spiral for Team Gosden and Dottori uh, won the race last year. How's this one looking? Yeah, great rematch between the English 1,000 guineas 1-2 uh, and they were about eight lengths clear of the third horse. So it's, it can only be a race in two really. And it's whether or not you're comfortable with Morge having ten, a 10 day setback where she did no fast work, no gallops whatsoever. So if you think she's gonna be rock hard fit and ready to run her best race in, in, in that race, back her because she's got a better race pattern than Tahira. But Tahira was, she looked like a preseason foot, footballer with the gut she had ahead of the 1000 guineas. She went to the Irish Guineas next start and absolutely bolted in. Um, and I think if if it's purely 100% fitness, Tahira has a better turn of foot, more ability. She should be winning if, if there's any chinks in Morge's armour. Very nice. We've got some prices there for those, yeah, Tom. Racing two, basically. The market, Tahira is odds on and Morge $3.60. So uh, when we did this show last week, they were much closer in betting. So obviously the 10 day without work has meant Morge has drifted. Mm. Well, let's head to Saturday now, which is only a lazy 10 days away from as we sit here. It's uh, hard enough Thursday to Saturday. <laughs> oh, I can't deal doing form Wednesday night for Saturday Australian racing. <laughs> um, so hats off to you, or top hats off to you. Um, listed <laughs> Chesham Stakes. Chesham. Chesham Stakes yeah. for the two-year-olds, 1,400 metres. Looks at tough race for the juveniles because there's some first starters involved exactly. here. No for, market up already, so we'll just see Exactly. Yes, in some of the fixed odds, they, they put up Diego Velazquez as a $4 chance, unraced, but he's already favourite for the Guineas next year and favourite for the Derby, and he hasn't even raced. Um, <laughs> such is the hype around that horse. Um, last year, a horse was 120 to 1, got backed into 50 to 1, and then it bolted in in this race last year. Unseen debutante, unfashionably bred. Um, Gay Waterhouse tried to buy it. 
Um, so you won really, a race since? Uh, it hasn't, but it's got a couple of Group 1 placings. Oh. Um, it ran second to the, the Derby winner, actually. But Charlie Appleby's got a really, really nice horse called Ancient Wisdom. And if he, he, qual- he meets the breeding qualifications to be entered in this race, and if he runs it, I think because of the hype around some of the other horses, we might get a price for Ancient Wisdom. So when the five-day declarations come out, keep an eye on Ancient Wisdom. It should be around Tuesday night uh, Australian time. Ancient Wisdom, I think if you can get $5 or $4, I think he's definitely worth the punt. Yep. What, I'm intrigued to know what the access is like for these juveniles and for first starters at races for UK form analysts. Like, obviously, they don't get access to the trial files with Tom Haylock and the Bald Eagle. So how do you assess something like this? Yeah, well, it's, it's, you sort of got to rely on pedigree and, and, and word that gets out and, and whatnot, and also looking at the, the history of the... the um, like the, the dam and whatnot, what they did, are they, is the stable producing first-time winners? Does the, the stable educate their horses with, with barrier trials? Do they just ride them hands and heels on their debut like they do in France? Um, Irish, Irish form actually has barrier trials now, so okay. it's much, much easier to punt on unseen two-year-olds in Ireland than it is in England. But Charlie Appleby always sends his horses up the new market gallops, mm-hmm. which is similar to Ascot, and that's why I'm more confident backing Appleby first-timers or second starters mm-hmm. at Ascot. Terrific. Well, let's look at the Group 3, uh, the jersey for the three-year-olds, and you speak of Charlie Appleby. This one's over 1,400. He's taken out the last two editions of this race as well. Yeah, no, had a massive, massive opinion of Noble Style. I always thought he was a sprinter, so when they sent him, when they had him planned out for the guineas and whatnot, I didn't think he was going to do well there. Um, he sort of over-races, doesn't really settle properly, so if they've gelded him like they did with Creative Force and set it for this race, should be absolutely bolting in, because what he did here on Dubu was was utterly electric and... If he starts $2.50 plus, that's, that's more than back all price. What have we got now on the exchange time? No market, no market up market, Yeah, okay. I think, I think local, local fixed odds over there, I think he was $3. Okay. So. Um, the Group 2 Hardwick for four-year-olds and upwards, 2,400 metres. You've got a bit of a weather watch here. Yeah, um, I, think, I think we've had it confirmed now that, that, that from the stable that they're going to run regardless because there's going to be no rain for the Prince of Wales that they were thinking about last minute entry for him. This is my best bet of the week, Hook'em. Um, what he did to Desert Crown, the previously unbeaten derby winner, um, over 2,000 metres, he just he just cruised up past him and, and put him to bed, which I thought he'd be looking for 26, 2,800 metres races and looking to be more of a stayer, but he had a lot of pace, a lot of turn of foot, similar to what Without a Fight did um, over here last couple of races. And when you'll go back to their form in Dubai, Hook'em thrashed Without a Fight. so. His form's stacking up all over the place. There's not really any strong other contenders in this race. And I think he's been, I think, shortened in price from about 4.7 into, what is he now? $2.90. Mm. There you go. So mass, massive move from, from last week. Um, and I think he just simply wins. Yep, there you go. Outstanding. Um, and the final race we're going to look at is... Um, one we're all going to have a lot of interest in. It's the Group 1, the Queen Elizabeth Jubilee, four-year-olds and upwards, uh, 1,200 metres. Tommy spoke about Schwarzier, Black Caviar, Merchant Navy, all famous winners of this race. Um, we've got Artorias um, for Anthony and Sam Friedman. Could they be the next Aussies to add their names into the books? And the Astrologist is also running in this race. How do you assess the Aussies' chances and what's your take on uh, the Jubilee? Yeah, so I think um, Artorias is probably a worthy favourite based on body of work, what he's done, Group 1 placings in Europe. Um, if he jumps better than last year, he's definitely got a chance. He's, um, he's obviously got a jockey, up, jockey upgrade this year with J-Mac booked. Um, I think 
as far as the astrologist goes, you really want to be putting away John of Gauntfield at Haydock to have any hope of winning at Ascot. He didn't seem to handle his, his first up run uh, at York. And on a leader's paradise, to only run second in a weak Group 3, I don't think you're going to be contending with a Group 1 Jubilee field. Um, but the, the value, I think, in this race, and I think he's getting backed at the moment, is uh, a horse called Al Sahail. He's a 1,400-metre horse, so I like that profile of, of horse wanting further to get the uphill finish over 1,200 metres. He hit 1.1 in the run in the Alcoz, but he was drawn a barrier that's never won that race. Mm. So for him, I think if you can get double figures for him, he'll shorten drastically in price, and he'll look like the winner at some stage in the race. And then there's obviously Wellington, from Hong Kong who brings the Lucky Sway Ness form. So if you like the Lucky Sway Ness form, he's probably worth a bet as well and he's probably deserving of being a top two second favourite. And the market, Tommy? Yeah, it's obviously getting about $5 at the moment and Elsa Hale, fifteen fifty. Do you expect that market to change drastically over the coming week? Yeah, it, it does does move move and shake a bit. There'll be track gallops, there'll be pieces of work, there'll be information from the stable of what they're trying to do. And then obviously this Highfield Princess, who if she wins on the Tuesday, they'll apparently try and back her up on the Saturday. So For Aussies that are keen to get involved, would you say guns in holsters for now with the likes of Artorias? Yeah, de definitely keep your powder dry, just wait um, and follow the market as well. Like the, 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 These big sprints at, at Royal Ascot, the market always seems to know what the winner's going to do. Oh, terrific. Um, well, that rounds out the, the five days, uh, Rory. A outstanding insight. We might just wrap up with just your best bets quickly and your best lays for the entire carnival um, so our listeners and viewers can quickly jot those down. Yeah, so we've got Hookham in the Hardwick Stakes on the Saturday, Modern Games in the Queen Anne on the Tuesday, uh, Noble Style in the Jersey on the Saturday, Coltrane in the Gold Cup on the Thursday, I think it is, and a day out in the Prince of Wales on the Wednesday. And as far as lays, I'm happy to take a set against Diego Velazquez and Chaldean in the in the uh, St. James Palace. Brilliant, mate. Well, um, that rounds, rounds out the uh, episode of Layback, the uh, Royal Ascot edition. We'll let you get home now, pack the bag, keep the top hat nice. And <laughs> I think you're meant to put like pillows or newspaper or something in something it to in it, keep yeah. the shape on the plane. Just... I've got zero experience with put them. A hat, but, put, a hat uh, box, put it in a hat box. Or hat box, I like it. Um, yeah, all the best, mate. Thanks for your insight. Um, I'm excited to sit down and watch the carnival with a little bit more knowledge now. And uh, I'm sure Tommy's much the same. Yes, can't wait. It's going to be cricket. All things betfair.com.au, cricket, Ascot, Wimbledon, big summer of sport in England. Thanks for your time. And as always, gamble responsibly. gambling really costing you. For free and confidential support, call the number on the screen or visit the website.